You're listening to Westside Church. For more information, visit us at westsideinfo.com. We have been going through this series on mist. I've really enjoyed this personally. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, scriptures that are often misused or misquoted or, or misunderstood. And, and uh, we're kind of winding down uh, this series. But at the very beginning, I said, Terry, I really want you to preach on one of these. So I gave her the list of verses that we were considering. And she said, I really would like to do this one. I said, aha, that is perfect for her. And uh, so she's going to come up and uh, speak about that today. But I want to remind you that uh, when we look at Scripture, uh, there are several things to interpret Scripture faithfully. Now, I haven't said it. It's not one of the five. I haven't said it during this whole time, but we need the guidance of the Holy Spirit uh, to understand God's Word. If you want to understand something eternally, now this is a given. Uh, If you want to understand something eternal, you need somebody who is eternal to help us through that. And so we need the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit guiding us. But when we look at Scripture, we want to make sure that we approach it in humility. We don't know everything. We're not it. We're part of it. This church is not it. We're part of what God is doing in this area. And we want to be faithful to what he's called us to do. And then uh, we look at Scripture and we we don't read into the text. We don't find our favorite uh, little ideas or philosophies and try to find a verse that fits that and kind of stretch it to make it fit that. We we don't want to read into the text. We want to read from the text. Like, what is the text saying? And let's take it for what it is. And then also we want to read the Scripture in context, where, who, what, when, where, why, and how, those kind of questions. And then we want to look at the whole Bible theology on any kind of truth or a theme through Scripture. What does the whole Bible say about this? Not just one verse. Some whole uh, movements or cults or denominations have been founded around one verse. And that's dangerous because we want to look at the whole thing from Revelation uh, all the way back to Genesis and see what the Word of God says about it. The best commentary on Scripture is Scripture. And then finally and most importantly, we want to apply God's Word to our lives. We want to become more like Jesus. We want the Word of God to uh, enrich us, to encourage us, to instruct us. All these things as we day by day, bit by bit, uh, uh, become conformed to the image of Christ. So Terry, come up. I want to pray for you and hear what God has for us to say today. Father, I pray for Terry. I pray that uh, This would be fresh. It's her third time preaching this. I pray that you'd give her the words for this group here right Mm -hmm. now. And your Holy Spirit can do that. I pray that we would receive as from you uh, the word that she has to share with us today. Anoint her. God, give her the energy and strength she needs. And give us the ability to listen to what you are saying to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Hello, everybody. It's a privilege to be up here speaking to you today, and I never take that lightly, um, the, the privilege of, of uh, speaking my heart, that what God has given me for you is huge. So thank you for being here. Um, I love that there's young people here. I've got some words for you uh, today, but um, I'm going to talk about Proverbs, the book of Proverbs, and I'm going to take tell you about it generally, and then I'm going to take one little verse out of there, and I'm going to talk about that. Um, Proverbs is a book of wisdom, words of wisdom. It's got um, lots of nuggets for us to learn and apply to our lives. It's got gems, it's got pearls for us to to take 
And uh, so there are 31 chapters in the Bible, in, in the book of Proverbs, 31 chapters. And there are no months that have more than 31 days. So you could take one chapter of Proverbs a day and you can uh, read it on the corresponding day. Now, when I was a teenager, I was told this. I'm sure many, many of you have been told this about reading Proverbs one chapter a day corresponding to the day of the month. And uh, as I was preparing for this message, I all of a sudden I said, those were words of wisdom. That person that told me that <laughs> when I was a teenager, those were words of wisdom. And this is a book of wisdom. And so I need to get back to that. <laughs> it is. Proverbs are wonderful, wonderful, full of uh, wisdom, words to live by. Solomon wrote most of, pro- of um, Proverbs and Solomon, in his early years of leading, he obeyed God. And he requested of God to give him wisdom. And God not only gave him wisdom, but he gave him wealth. He gave him success. And uh, so Solomon uh, collected and learned and wrote 3,000 proverbs. And most of these he put in the book of Proverbs. So we can learn from those. So He did it as a father to his son. These words of wisdom of how to live a godly life, kind of the how-to book of living in accordance with um, God's ways. But can we apply that to our lives as well? I'm not Solomon, and you're not my sons. (laughs) But, of course, we can always apply the word of God. In fact, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, All scripture is breathed out by God, and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man or woman of God may be complete, equipped in every work. And so I come to you today as a mom, and uh, I know all of you have a mom or have had a mom, but I come to you as that with that um, true grit of loving people enough to tell them the truth and loving people and wanting to protect and like a mother lioness to protect her cubs and to tell you the truth of the word of God that we can apply this and we can be blessed by it and represent Jesus in a real way. Proverbs is about God's wisdom. It's not just about wisdom, but it's about his wisdom and pointing the reader to relationship with him. So um, I have a, I'm a grandma, I have four, or four, I have seven grandchildren, and uh, my three-year-old Nova, I was in Texas uh, a few months ago, and I was hugging her, and she said, Grandma, what are you doing? And I said, oh, I'm just patting you, and she goes, Grandma, you don't pat girls, you pat boys and puppies. <laughs> so then this same family, they, these kids were at our house for the last two weeks. And so last Sunday, she had on her Batgirl uniform, her Batgirl costume. Oh, yeah, but she calls it, she says, it's not Batgirl, it's Batman. So, no. <laughs> so I took her hand, I was holding her hand, and she goes, oh no, Grandma, Batman doesn't hold hands. So I have a three-year-old granddaughter who is writing her own Proverbs, but we're not <laughs> going to talk about that Proverbs. Okay, I had to find a way to put in a grand, grandchild story here. <laughs> so as we look at wise instructions, as we look at Proverbs, we are confronted with a choice of hearing 
the author of listening to what's being said and whether we're going to actually receive it and apply it. And our choices do matter. I want to tell you about my dad's choice. Talk a little bit about my dad. He um, died two months ago at the age of 87. He was a godly man. He raised four children who loved Jesus and are walking with him and serving him today. And um, my dad uh, was the kind of guy that would um, go into an airport, and they they didn't call them TSA agents at that time. They just called them security guards. And he would go up, you know, going through security because he flew a lot. And he'd say, tell me who Jesus is to you. And uh, most of them would say, well, he's my savior. And uh, he'd be on a business call and he'd say at the end of the phone conversation, he'd say, do you know Jesus? And then he'd get in a discussion with them about that. And he taught us the uh, importance of sharing your faith with other people in the realms that he's given you is telling people about Jesus, representing Jesus, because we all need to know this wonderful Lord and Savior. But as we were getting ready for his memorial service, um, I was having a conversation with my mom going through some high school annuals and yearbooks and uh, college yearbooks and talking about my dad. And she says, you know, he was always in a hurry to accomplish. He was always in a hurry, always going ahead. And uh, that's the man that I knew. Some people said he was driven. Uh, He was hugely high capacity and uh, always did... um, Three jobs at once, um, was a a very hard worker. Um, And (laughs) when. Bird doesn't fall far from the tree. Yeah. Good, Steve. I I love my dad. Um, My dad received Jesus at the age of nine. And uh, he was a little entrepreneur. As a young child, he had his own business out of his garage, he had a bicycle uh, parts store that he would uh, fix, uh, collect parts and sell them and fix bicycles. And then he had several um, part-time jobs as well. At the age of 16, he was in high school, and his friends uh, got with him and said, hey, let's drop out of high school and let's join the Navy. So he says, well, I don't have anything better going on. You know, yeah, okay, let's do that. So, um, so they went out and they got big old tattoos, Navy insignia tattoos on each forearm. And um, then he was working at the Royal Crown Cola Bottling Company in Phoenix, Arizona. And he had a conversation with an older man with gray hair. And the man said, Dana, stay in school. Don't quit. Get all the education you can. And he told him about going through the depression and um, you know, not being able to find a job and all this stuff. And so, um, so my dad didn't go into the Navy. He listened to those words of wisdom. He did not go in the Navy, but he had the tattoos. For the, so for the rest of his life, he had to <laughs> listen to people say, oh, you're in the Navy. <laughs> no. <laughs> he... <laughs> <laughs> and he was very embarrassed about those tattoos. Although today it's it's cool and you know almost expected when you're in full time ministry, you can have tattoos. But in those days, you couldn't be in ministry and have tattoos. <laughs> so uh, I don't think Steve's going to get a tattoo anytime soon. <laughs> but um, so my my father had a conversation with his mother about the Lord, and uh, not too long after he made the decision that he's not going to go into the Navy, he's going to stay in school. 
And uh, he told my, his mom, my grandma, he said, someday, some way, I don't know how, I don't know when, but I believe God wants me to preach the gospel. And they were dirt poor, so I don't know how this was arranged, but um, within days, he was on a train to Tennessee and went to Bob Jones Academy, the high school, and then Bob Jones University. And he finished seven years of schooling in five, so always in a hurry to accomplish much, and that's the time that he met my mom. And they got married when my dad was 20 and she was 18. He served the Lord for the next 67 years of his life. He preached the gospel on every single continent. He um, was one of the evangelists in Youth for Christ. He was a church planter. He was a pastor. He was a pioneer in the Christian school movement in the 1950s. He was a founder and city councilman in Montclair, California. He was a founder of youth camps for underprivileged and uh, troubled teens. He received five degrees. He became a lawyer in his spare time. He was a businessman. He got together um, a couple thousand dollars, bought his first rental house, rented it out, and uh, everything that he touched having to do with real estate turned to gold. He had the gift of giving and was able to give much, much money. I won't say the amount, but much, much money into um, uh, to the spread of the gospel. He founded a missions organization through which he preached in every country. And... Uh, then he got tired, and my dad got tired and uh, just wanted to go to be with the Lord. And so in the last many years of his life, probably the last 10 years of his life, I, um, I had the privilege of being able to um, take some of that burden of responsibility off of his shoulders and fly to Phoenix once a month. Some of you know my travels, um, and uh, this is bothering me. What's going on here? Oh, there we go. I think I clicked it in right. Okay. Sorry. Yep. Hello. Okay. 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 <laughs> so it was a privilege to be able to serve him and take away some of that um, pressure in his life, and um, was able to be with him on his deathbed and just tell him, "Thank you, Dad, for the um, for the privilege of being able to serve you, and thank you for teaching me to love Jesus and to share Jesus." So. Um, my dad made a critical decision to follow God's leading when he was just 16 years old. Yeah. Yeah. And it led to the, the greatest desire of his heart being fulfilled, of being able to serve God and to have fruitful ministry. So we all have key moments of decision in our life. And you know, God loves us so much that he gave us this book. The Bible is a handbook for human living. And uh, we can look in here for his instruction. And it's the love story of the ages. It it, um, documents the love story of the ages. And we can look in here for instruction and for wisdom and for counsel. And it's timeless. And it applies to our lives. And we can follow this Bible. And and it leads to blessing. So God wants the best for us. He wants us to make the right choices. He doesn't dangle, you know, lure, temptation and stuff and, and, you know, want us to learn a lesson so that we're stronger. No, he wants us to do it the right way. (laughs) And he's given us the instruction and he's also given us the gift of the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us and to help us, to be our helper. And so um, 
It's always the right decision to follow Jesus. Always the right decision to follow Jesus. Um, So Proverbs is Solomon as a father instructing his son to obey and honor God and hate evil. Proverbs 4, 20 to 27 says this, My child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart, for they bring life to those who find them and healing to their whole body. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Avoid all perverse talk, stay away from corrupt speech, look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. Aren't those good words? I mean, you could just take that and you could just say, this is the handbook for living a godly life. Um, so that scripture, we're going to talk about that Proverbs 4.23. It says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Now, some of the ways that we, we may have misused this verse, this thing about guarding your heart. And this is in our series on misconstruing, misusing, misinterpreting scripture. So it does not mean, guard your heart does not mean protect your heart, protect yourself from other relationships and other people that God wants to bring into your life. Now, some of us may have been hurt by relationships in the past, and so we... We may have a tendency to view other relationships, people that we meet through the eyes of hurts, through the lenses of hurt and the past. But that's not what this scripture is saying. We're not to guard ourselves from getting close to people. We're also not to guard ourselves from accountability. We need each other. We need accountability. James 5.16 says this, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. We need accountability. We need that to walk free with one another, to help one another, encourage one another, pray for one another, spur one another on, say, hey, come on, you don't have to do that, or you can do that. We need each other, and we need that accountability of being together. We can walk free. We must forgive. We, can't, we need to walk forward and not be living in the past, but be walking forward and, and uh, forgiving. We have no excuse not to forgive. God forgave us a whole lifetime of sin. We need to extend that to others. We need to walk in forgiveness and healing. And uh, there's that um, powerful illustration of a long, 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 long rope. Uh, representing eternity. And then at the end of the rope is a little tiny piece of red tape. And that's our life here on earth. This is the temporal. And uh, we're just pioneers here passing through. And how much of that little tiny red tape do we spend on thinking of the past and the hurts and the unforgiveness and the bitterness and the resentment? How much of that little tape of our, that represents our life, do we spend dwelling on past hurts and past failures? We've got to walk free. We've got to, yes. we've got to actively seek healing. That's right. Amen. Actively seeking healing is 
taking it before the Lord, asking people for prayer, maybe getting godly counsel, but you taking the right steps to be healed and be free of this so that we can do the job that we have to do is represent Jesus to a dying world. And so we want to walk free of that. Um, okay, so here's another misuse of this scripture is, and I, this is, I'm guilty of this. Um, it does not mean uh, t- teaching your young people to guard their hearts from relationships, boy-girl relationships. Now, when I was a mother of teenagers, I would come just short of this, but not very short of this. It would be, guard your heart. Women are evil. Stay away from them. Guard your heart. (laughs) Guard your heart. Men are evil. Stay away. Guard your heart. Don't go near them. But of course, it's because I wanted them, you know, to, to marry the right person and to, you know, at the right time for the right reasons. And, um, but that's not what it means. You know, we're not guarding our hearts from them. But since we're on the subject, of this, there are many scriptures that give guidance and wisdom and counsel to young people, yeah. and so I gave this wisdom and counsel to my uh, teenagers many years ago as well. Um, Song of Solomon, many places in there says, "Don't awaken love too soon." Right. Yeah. Don't awaken love too soon. Don't prematurely give your heart away. Yeah. You give your heart away to one person, and it gets. Smash damage, and you take it back. Oh, I'm going to take that back. And then you give it to another, and maybe it gets, you know, stabbed, and you take it back. Oh, and prematurely giving your heart away to many, many, many relationships. When, when you stand before that person at the altar, when you get married and you say, I do, you want to be able to say that I'm going to give you a whole and healthy yeah, heart, yeah, not damaged, and not. I'm not going to want to protect it, and you know, distrust you. Are you going to hurt me too? But you want to give them a whole heart. So, yeah, yeah, young yeah. people, don't give your heart away prematurely. Song of Solomon says, "Don't awaken love too soon. Don't give your body away before marriage. Sex is to be inside the confounds of marriage, yeah. and we go against God's word." then there's consequences. You're going to have heartache. You go against God's word, you have heartache. And I want you to know that God loves and forgives. He loves you enough to tell you the truth so that we can obey it and follow it. When we don't obey it and follow it, he loves you enough to make a way for you to come back into relationship with him. He loves you, he loves you, he loves you. Don't, don't, um, don't ever forget that. But you have sex outside of marriage, there's going to be heartache. That's going to come into your marriage. That, that is going to mess things up until you get it right with the Lord. Another thing, young people, 1 Corinthians six eighteen says, flee from sexual immorality. That's not just for young people. Married people, flee from sexual immorality. It's in the confines of marriage only. You start being tempted or lured or somebody is, you know, um, saying the right things to you at the right time at work or somewhere outside of your home, not your wife, not your husband. Um, Flee sexual temptation. 
2 Corinthians 6.14 says, Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? Now, this is God's word. And he's given us instruction. And so often, young people just, you know, well, it doesn't apply to me. Or I'm going to forget that one. Or I don't like that one. And so what happens is you start becoming friends and then dating a non-Christian, somebody who doesn't, doesn't share the faith that you do, doesn't share this wonderful relationship with God that you do. And then you, sex might enter into it, and that's a powerful bond. So you, you know, here you're with an unbeliever. You've had sex. It's a powerful bond. You end up getting married, and I'll tell you what, We're all on our best behavior before marriage. And so what you see is what you get. It's not going to (laughs) change. If there's something going on before marriage, it's likely not going to change outside of a miracle. And so we got to be wise, and we got to do it God's way. There's going to be heartache. Now, it doesn't mean that God can't redeem situations. That's not what I'm saying. But God doesn't want us to have the consequences that he instructed in his word so that we could um, avoid the consequences. So the right time, the right person, the right reasons. And then becoming the one while you're waiting, becoming the godly one that that godly one is waiting for. And making sure that you... Get together with somebody who loves God more than they love you. They love God more than they love you. The best marriages are focused, have the center of their marriage is God. He's the center of the marriage. They both have this intimate, wonderful relationship with Almighty God. So, um, also friendships. What's the fruit of our friendships? Are The friendships that you have, are they drawing you closer to God? Are they pushing you further away from God. These are all things that we can learn from. Um, Okay, now, off of that, (laughs) we're going to talk about the heart. The heart is the center of our emotions, of our decision-making, of our affections. Our actions all flow out of our heart. What is our heart telling us? That's what we act on. So is it good? Is what's in our heart good? Is that what we're acting on? Uh, One of the commentaries says, The heart is the depository of all wisdom and the source of whatever affects life and character. We follow our hearts. Um, And it better be Jesus when we follow our hearts. So I've said more than once since I've been a Christian that... uh, I don't like what's in my heart. What's in my heart is very dark, and it's, it's not good. I find myself in a place in my life where I have a lot of responsibility, and a lot of you are in the same place. I have a lot of responsibility for my parents, elderly parents, taking care of them. And so I want to be there with them more and more and more. And it's like I feel like I need to stay there. I need to, I'm not doing enough. And then on the other hand, I've got kids, and I love my kids. And... You never, ever stop being a parent from the time that they take their first breath. 
you're always their parent. And so I have a 40-year-old and a 38-year-old. And, um, and they're still my kids. I want to make sure they make the right choices. And I love them. And I don't want them to go through hard times. And um, want to want to always be close to them. And then I've got grandkids. And, of course, I want to be the best grandma in the world. I want to be the favorite grandma. And I want to spend all kinds of time with those seven wonderful little human beings and uh so all this stuff you've got pulling at you and it's like oh i want to i want to be there more for them i want to do more for them i want to do more for them and then in the middle you've got a wonderful husband or wife um and so i come home and um i think it's because that our spouses are the ones who love us and accept us the most that we that we could that we just let down and so I start to feel resentful. I can't control anything. I can't control my time. I can't control my schedule. And so I get home and I start to get selfish and lazy and rebellious in my heart and, you know, not talking kindly. And uh, I have to look at what is in your heart. That's ugly. What's in your heart? And I have to go back to God. I want you in my heart. I want to guard my heart for you. And say the things that you would have me to say. And and that I would change my heart. And this is my son. God tells me that you're thinking those things and saying those things and having those actions toward. So so there's never an excuse. There's never an excuse. But we do it. We're weak. We're sinful. And we get right back on track. And we say, okay, God, I want to keep. I want to guard my heart. I want to watch my heart for you, because I want you to be the center of my heart. I want you to come out of my heart. My heart is for you. Um, I want to be fully and completely and utterly devoted to you with my whole heart. So Psalm 119.11 says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And so that's the way not to sin. Hide his word. And if we're full of Jesus... focused on him, our eyes fixed on him, then it's going to be a lot easier to avoid temptation. So God hates sin. So should we. Satan wants to displace God in our lives. He wants to take anything that would distract you and fill your heart with something else. Replace him. But we need to listen to wisdom. We need to obey him. And... uh, not allow those things to compete with him. Choices that we make every day can lead to sin. Yeah. So we need to quit it. Just quit it. Um, don't plan for it. If your problem is pornography, don't have magazines in your closet. Don't have bookmarks on your computer. If your sin, if your problem is addiction towards substances, don't have substances in your house or in your car. If it's certain kinds of food, get rid of the food. Eliminate all of the um, temptation that you can and keep your heart fully and completely devoted devoted to him. So there are destructive consequences that happen when we don't follow God's word. Um, I asked my niece for permission to share this. She texted me. I have a niece named Melissa, and she texted me a few weeks ago, and she said, Aunt Terry, would you pray for me? I'm scared. They tell me that my liver is not functioning anymore. 
She's 40 years old. She's been in and out of the hospital in horrible pain. Um, she wants to live. She has every reason to live. Um, she, um, she's come back to the Lord. She's been sober for one year. She said, I wish I would have quit sooner. But she was an alcoholic and um, on the streets part of her life and um, not caring whether she lived or died. Today, she desperately wants to live because she's back with the Lord. She's with a godly man who loves her. She has her son and she has a new grandbaby and she desperately wants to live. And she knows that God has a purpose and a plan for her life. And so please pray for her. God can, we're praying for a miracle for her. Absent that, we're praying that she'll get on a a liver transplant list and and, uh, be able to have a transplant and and live. But but, um, I asked her if I could share this as um, just sharing with young people. Prevention, prevention. Our choices, our little choices lead to great destruction in our lives. We need to make the right choices. A.W. Pink says this, For the Christian to keep his heart means for him to pay close attention to the direction in which his affections are moving, to discover whether the things of the world are gaining a firmer and fuller hold over him or whether they are increasingly losing their charm for him. There's a pull. Is the pull winning? The pull that God has for you or the pull that the enemy has for you. We need to guard and keep our hearts. Um, We can't do it by ourselves. We cannot do it by ourselves. We are, um, we're weak, we're sinful, we fall, and we can't do it alone. And the Holy Spirit is there to guide us and to lead us. And out of our gratitude for the cross and for what he did for us, we want to follow him and honor him. Yeah. Does Jesus have your heart? Romans ten nine and 10 says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. It is by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. Our hearts should belong to God. We should want to be fully and completely and totally His. And so we guard our hearts. We keep our hearts. We watch over our hearts to keep them His. We're very protective of our hearts, not not for relationships with other people, but we're protective of our hearts because we want them to be fully and completely His. So I want to ask a few questions as we close and then we're going to sing one last song and the purpose of the song is just so that we can um, meditate on what we've heard and if God is speaking to us that we can make adjustments, that we can make decisions, uh, we can make declarations to God. Um, Are there past hurts that prevent you from healthy, God-honoring relationships with others? Do you need to be accountable? Are there things in your life that you need to be accountable to somebody to find a godly man or woman that can pray with you, encourage you? Is your heart fully devoted to him? And we could, we could um, make that decision once more today and just say, God, 
My heart has been given, it's turned, it's been given to other things lately. And I want my heart fully devoted to you today. Are there things that have taken the place of God? And also the last thing is, have you given your heart to the Lord? And he wants your heart. He created you for relationship with you because he loves you. Not because he had to, not because he needed you, but because he loves you, because he wanted you. And uh, when we fell away and we sinned and all of us fall short of the glory of God, of his perfect plan, then he made a way to send his son Jesus to die on the cross. And the Bible says that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You can do that today, right now, in your heart. Your heart can say, yes, I want you, Jesus, to be Lord of my life. I'm going to step off the throne of my life, and I invite you to be on the throne of my life. Father, thank you for dying for us. Thank you for being raised again for us. Thank you that you live now and that you're with us. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that never leaves us, that you're with us and you guide us and you lead us. We love you, Lord Jesus. Help us, God. Help us to be uh, representatives of you, Lord. Help us to keep our hearts fully devoted to you, guarding them in all of our decisions. In Jesus' name, amen.